Oh, postpartum, that blurry, blissful time after you have your baby. But what's it really like? What can you expect? How does it really feel to bring a new baby home? Hey, I'm Chelsea, and here on the Postpartum Project, I get to talk to real moms about their postpartum experiences, because I believe that sharing our stories can help other moms feel seen and less alone. Yep, it's messy, but it's also pretty magical. Welcome to the Postpartum Project. Today I'm talking to Kelly. She's a mom of one 11-month-old daughter, and today she tells her story of postpartum preeclampsia and how that experience helped catapult her into a journey of coming back to herself and helping to make herself a priority. Here's Kelly's story. Hey, Kelly. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Hi. (laughs) I'm so excited to chat with you. Um, So first, just tell me about yourself. What do you do for fun and what do you do with your day? Yeah. um, So I am recently a stay-at-home mom. Um, Andy is my daughter. She's 11 months. And um, I'm a therapist, a mental health therapist. And actually, I I returned to work after maternity leave, um, just doing work through Zoom. And then a couple months ago, just decided to stay home with her for a variety of reasons. But um, yeah, that's great. And then tell me a little bit about your, your family. So we know you have Andy, she's 11 months. How about your, your husband? Yep. So my husband's name is John and, um, he is in real estate. So he has worked home from home, you know, pre COVID for years. So, um, yeah, just the three of us and given COVID and everything, we, uh, my parents have been in and out of town, um, they live in Chicago, but have a place here. And so we've seen them on and off throughout COVID and a few friends. So that's so good. How did you and John meet? We met on the internet, um, an app called hinge. I think it's still around. Um, it's basically like Tinder. That's so fun. Oh, I love that. So, um, I'd love to know a little bit about your journey toward pregnancy, kind of how you became pregnant and then what that pregnancy with your daughter was like. We, um, decided to start trying and it was a really quick process for us, which we're sensitive to given that we just know a lot of people who've struggled with fertility, who've, um, you know, it's taken them years to get pregnant. And so it, we are going into it assuming this is going to take at least six months. And um, in reality, it took like a month and it was really shocking. And I feel like, you know, my experience was that shock was, was really overwhelming to me. And, um, Although it was what we wanted and what we were going for, it just was way sooner than we expected. And, you know, it's like I, I, I've always hesitated to, like, complain about that or, or vent about that because of, you know, how many people who are on the flip side of it who, um, who are trying for so long. But uh, it kind of manifested in just a lot of feeling super down. Um, my first trimester, you know, obviously just hormonally, but also this – like major life change that although I was ready for it's like I I wasn't quite quite ready for I was expecting it to just be a longer process so um 
yeah, I was just, I felt very like my life is over. What have I done? And I remember I Googled, um, like first trimester depression and I Googled like grieving your former life now that you're pregnant. And I was so relieved to see that there were like dozens of stories out there like this of women feeling like, oh my God, my life. Um, like I want this, but also what have I done? And, um, but you know, I, I don't know if it was just a, just hormonal. I mean, prenatal depression is totally a thing. I actually like even looked into joining like a study about it, but I didn't meet all the the criteria. It wasn't severe enough or whatever, but um, as the pregnancy progressed, it, it just really morphed into so much more excitement and gratitude. And um, yeah, I, I was looking back. I, I know I was also very lucky with symptoms throughout the pregnancy. I'd say like that first trimester mental health stuff was the, you know, kind of the worst symptoms that I had. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. You, you're you so right. You don't really think about the side of it, the side of the coin where it's like you have infertility, right? And then you have folks that get pregnant either by surprise or just really quickly. And it's kind of, it's a, it's a big shift into a completely different life. So that is really interesting. Um, so yeah, I'd love for you to tell me about your birth story a little bit with Andy. So we were planning, the plan A, right, was to go to a birth center. And I found a place, the birth center of Denver, and really connected with a couple of the midwives and nurses there. And, um, you know, everything's going along as planned. And then one week before my due date, um, my blood pressure spiked. And... I was at the birth center and they kind of said, you know, we'll monitor it for like just a couple more days, but you know, you need to be staying in touch and paying attention to all the signs of preeclampsia. And literally like two weeks prior, I was walking around with a friend and I was like, well, the only thing that could interfere with like the birth plan is if I get like preeclampsia, but I'm not going to get that. Like I'm healthy. That's not, that's not for me. And, um, Lo and behold, it turns out, you know, a couple of days later, my blood, pre- blood pressure is still reading high. I had a home monitor and um, had some abdominal pain and a headache and uh, had to go to the hospital. And, you know, I just, I remember the, the news of, yes, you do have preeclampsia was just shocking. And, and we're going to induce you right now. And um, it was... Yeah, it was shocking and so many feelings, you know, grief of your plan, excitement that your baby's going to be here, you know, in the next couple days. And um, obviously it's just, you know, one of the first lessons of that parenthood is requires a lot of flexibility and um, that we don't have control, you know, actually like really, I learned that in, with the pregnancy that you don't have control of when you get pregnant. Um, so that, that's kind of how it went. The birth itself ended up also so not according to plan. Um, they had to, you know, when you're induced, they, they started different meds. And then when they started the Pitocin, 
it was a incredible difference of pain with the contractions, you know. Um, and so I did end up getting an epidural, which is such an emotional in the moment it's not does doesn't feel as emotional it's like oh my god yes like give me some relief but it's taken months to really process and and give myself compassion for what i needed in that moment and recognize like this wasn't this sign of weakness um it's like you can say that but i think it really takes some time to believe that and to um just accept that yeah it it i think that like what what i held out to for so long was um that i didn't really get to feel like the pain of birth and it it almost like makes you feel a little like i am i missing something like i don't get it completely um I've had people reflect to me though, like, are you kidding? You felt like the pain of those Pitocin contractions, which I remember um, I had a doula there who said that Pitocin contractions are way more intense than natural contractions. And I remember she said, there's nothing natural about this birth anyway. You never had one natural contraction. So, you know, if, if this is going to give you some relief, there's, there's no shame in, in, um, giving yourself that. And looking back, I remember just like the last couple of hours before she was born, it, the, the epidural allowed me so much in being present and like so hyper aware of how special it all was. Like, I just, you know, I've really come to think, man, if I were writhing in the pain of either natural birth or Pitocin birth, like it wouldn't have felt so ceremonial and so sacred because I had like, I had the capacity about me. I wasn't just, um, I wasn't just consumed by the, the physical aspect. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I actually really love how you talk about that because I think that a lot of times, you know, some people want an epidural from the beginning and I think that's a wonderful empowered choice. Um, And then some people want to do an unmedicated birth from the beginning. That's an empowered choice for for folks. And even choosing to have a C-section can be a really empowered choice for folks. Um, But it's amazing to think like you can have sort of this beautiful, sacred, ceremonial birth even when you don't choose an epidural in the beginning, even if you choose it in the middle for whatever reason, you know, that can be really beautiful. And I think that's something that we really don't hear very often. It's a lot of times like, oh, yeah, I got an epidural and there's shame surrounding it for, for some reason, um, for reasons. But yeah, I love that. I think that's so cool. Um, and I love that you said that it felt hard but you're as you process it it feels better so talk to me a little bit about in you know she was born and then the days following what was that experience like for you having preeclampsia 
going into it? And, you know, what were the days following like? My perspective before she was born, I have not spent that much time around babies or children. And my, my perspective was that she would be real chill and sleepy and quiet. <laughs> and, um, you know, we were in the hospital, which we weren't planning on, but looking back, we're like, thank God we had, you know, some nurses there who could just tell us like in the, you know, I know we took like the birth class about, you know, they talk about like cluster feeding and what to expect, but you just don't really listen. You don't hear it. And and then you're in it. And, you know, for some, for the nurses to have explained to us, like what cluster feeding is, and this is normal. And to even like take Andy for an hour, it was um, hugely helpful to be there. I remember a friend of ours came about 24 hours after she was born. And um, he asked me, what's it like for her to not like be in your body anymore? And um, I remember I, I naturally have a tendency to kind of dissociate from myself and focus so much on other people. And it's something I've worked on for years, just kind of come, come home to myself, come back to myself. But, you know, I remember those first 24 hours, you're just so enamored and hyper-focused on the baby that until he asked me that, I didn't even think about the fact that like, I didn't have her in my body anymore. And um, it was kind of like a, just an intense realization of like, wow, I, you know, my body is just for me right now, um, except for breastfeeding, obviously. But um, just, just interesting how I like, didn't even think about that. But she, um, I'd say the first couple of days are just so wildly intense. You know, she was very loud and <laughs> struggled to sleep. Breastfeeding was a huge challenge. And um, just with her, her latch. Um, so yeah, um, you know, in the hospital, there's all these signs everywhere that say, you know, watch your high blood pressure postpartum, or, you know, if you have anything like blurry vision, call 911. And um, basically what did happen is, you know, preeclampsia is not that uncommon. I think it's like one in eight pregnancies. And um, by the way, there is no known cause or reason for preeclampsia. And I just truly feel with all my heart that if this affected men, there would be some sort of explanation. You know, all they really know is like, this is a, a placenta attachment issue. And you know, it's, it's ridiculous. But anyway, um, we got home from the hospital a couple days after she was born. And um, then um, I think it was four days after she was born, I was still checking my blood pressure because they encourage that for, for women who have preeclampsia. And um, it was high and I was just not feeling like myself, I was feeling kind of flu-like and just queasy. And um, so my sister told me to call my doctor and they, without a pause, told me, you know, you have to go to the ER right now and you can't drive there and don't hold your baby. And it was just like, what? And um, so I get to the ER, this is before COVID. And they told me because it's flu season, you can't bring your baby into the ER with you because 
you know, she's just too young to be exposed to all these sick people. So four days postpartum, I go into the ER without her. I did go in with my mom, thank God. And they told me, um, they told me it could be a couple hours until I um, get a room. They weren't sure how long it was going to take me to, to get a room. And then I just started crying. Being separated from her four days postpartum, my milk was just coming in. I was in the waiting room. Milk was leaking through my sweater. I was sobbing. And it was so, I, I would like close my eyes and just see her. And I know it was entirely biological, right? Like everything in my body was just telling me like, why are you apart from your baby? And, um, luckily I ended up getting admitted and she was able to come to the hospital and, um, I had to be on a medication, like a drip medication IV for 24 hours. I couldn't eat, couldn't drink. I had a catheter. I couldn't leave the bed and it was really, I just remember like this moment of this message coming through that was like, okay, if you're not gonna like focus on yourself, this is making you. And you, um, you know, this message of like, here's your first lesson of motherhood. Like if um, you need to take care of yourself, you need to allow people to help you and, you know, just receive. Because I, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't change her diaper. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't stand up. All I could do is breastfeed her. And it was, um, we were in the hospital for three or four nights and it's just not the place you want to be for recovering from birth and, you know, kind of establishing your new family. So it was, it was not ideal, but it, it did really provide this lesson. Um, I remember one afternoon, my mom was there and I kept apologizing to her. I was like, oh, I'm so sorry you have to hold Andy. And my mom was just like, Kelly, like, you have to get better. Like, you don't have to take care of me in this moment. I'm okay. And so I, I just really feel like it was this message to start with me that being a mom, like, I literally could not care for her until I got better. So. Um, that was really what I took from that. And I'm so grateful. I was okay. Um, my blood pressure got so high. They said I was pretty close to having a stroke or seizure. So, um, if you do have preeclampsia, you know, before your baby's born, definitely pay attention postpartum. It's rare, but, um, it can be pretty deadly. So, wow. Yeah, that's crazy. So then how did that sort of lesson carry you further into motherhood? You're now almost a year out, but like, how has that sort of carried you through this past year? Well, a few ways, you know, I think I've always, um, been someone who's like, oh, I'm fine. Don't worry about me. I'm okay. Nothing's really ever happened to me. And I've been really privileged and grateful in that way that, you know, I haven't um, had any major medical issues. So in some ways it's made me slightly more paranoid <laughs> of like, oh, things can happen to me. I, you know, I, um, 
maybe there's something wrong with me. Like I've, I've, my husband's told me I've had a little bit more of a tendency to be kind of a hypochondriac, but more than anything, I think it has set the tone of just having so much more self-compassion and really prioritizing caring for myself. You know, as a therapist, I've preached this to clients for years and I do a pretty good job overall. I have, but, um, it's, it's helped me just step into, um, caring for myself in a more intentional way. Yeah. Tell me about ways that you care for yourself in a, in a more intentional way. I, I just think it's really important to set aside time alone for yourself. Um, and it, it looks so different for everyone, but for me, I need time to just close my eyes and tune in, quiet down, you know, the constant chatter, put the to-do list to the side, um, just tune in with my spirit and, and, um, you know, all the other like sort of self-carry practices like journaling and taking baths and exercising are all really huge for me. But more than anything, um, I started seeing a, a Miranda earlier this year, who's a um, energy healer and just a fantastic, she's a postpartum doula. And I started meeting with her like three or four months postpartum. And she just really helps, um, help me establish more of a, root, of a routine of how to tune into this energetic world and, and that um, deeper sense of self, you know, intentionally every day of, of um, yeah. Yeah. I know as a mom, you know, for my, just speaking from my own perspective, it can be really hard to not only find the time or make the time, whatever you want to say for yourself, but also to really take time to sink in. And sometimes for myself, I can feel so frustrated because, you know, I'm trying to sink in, I'm trying to come back to me and somebody needs something. So I'd love for you to tell me a little bit about what that's been like for you sort of navigating new motherhood, but also trying to come back to yourself. Is it hard? Is it easy? Does it feel good? Does it feel frustrating at times? What does that feel like? Yes, it does feel frustrating at times. Um, I totally hear you. I, um, I think that the, the words like surrender and soften have been huge for me this year. They've been my words of the year because, I mean, I, I had this really intensely postpartum, but then also after quitting my job and being a stay-at-home mom again, that of like, okay, she wakes, the prime example is like, she wakes up from a nap and I don't want her to be up yet. I'm trying to tune in. I'm trying to touch down with myself or I'm just trying to do the laundry or I'm trying to meal prep or something. And she's up and I don't want her to be. I want that alone time back. I want my space back. And that fight immediately of like, um, getting frustrated. I mean, for me, it's ranged from taking huge sighs of like, to slamming doors, saying passive aggressive things to my husband, like, oh, thanks for your help. Or, um, you know, 
just fighting that moment. And I think motherhood require it does require so much surrender of yourself, you know, that like, oh, you don't just get to do this. And it's like, duh. But in the moment, it really sucks sometimes. And um, so that softening and surrendering is such a practice. And I don't think that it's ever, you're never just going to arrive and get it and be this soft, you know, floating angelic person, at least I won't be. Um, And I think I'm always going to have to work at the softening, which is, you know, telling myself, okay, this is hard. Taking a breath, softening my body a little bit and just leaning into the moment of, and and, you know, it it does help to tell myself, okay, I'll do this later. I'm going to commit to coming back to my book later, or I am going to shower at some point today. And um, so. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yes to that. Um, so I, I know you, um, in real life and we're friends on Instagram and I know that you post some things about body image and coming, I think it all kind of has, it's all the same, right? Like coming back to yourself and all of that. So I'm, I'm curious if you'll talk to me about body image and sort of how your postpartum and early motherhood has been affected and vice versa you know, body image affecting postpartum, postpartum affecting body image, all that. I'm curious about that, if you'll tell me. So it's it's obviously a process, but I think that given I am almost a year postpartum and going the whole year and witnessing what a massive change your body goes through, starting a pregnancy, you know, almost being two years to when that started, it has become such a a place of compassion and gratitude towards myself for what my body can do. Don't get me wrong. There have been so many moments of like, I remember right when I brought Andy home, I was rocking her and I had like bare legs with a robe and I looked down at my legs and just had this like moment of disgust of like, Oh, your body. And I don't think that there are many moms out there in our society who have never had that, who haven't, you know, seen a photo of themselves or or an angle and and felt some reaction. You know, we're trained to do that. Um, A lot of the work that I've done as a therapist has been focused around body image and disordered eating habits. It's one of my biggest passions. And I've had years and years of um, body image issues with myself. So I, you know, I really went into this knowing this is a huge element of this process for me and for a lot of women of um, your body just changing so much and in such a short amount of time. I think that's such a key part of this. And um, one of my favorite well, I will say having a daughter for whatever reason feels unique to or feels special to me. And it's not that mothers of of sons don't um, go through this or, or, you know, don't have the same sort of experience, but watching her kind of crawl around naked and be in her body with no shame, no 
fear, just like total embodiment and presence. And like, I feel like watching her has just so like reflected something to myself of just like, oh my God, our bodies are just like so amazing. And um, just like, I look at her and just want her to always see what I see, which is like, just like complete, I, I just, I want her to carry that freedom and that lack of self-judgment forever. And I know that um, I, I read a great book postpartum. It's called Mother's Daughters and Body Image by Hilary McBride. I super recommend it. It's basically like a workbook that um, I really dove into postpartum um, that just has a lot of different ideas for how to help raise kids, sons included, um, in an environment that in, you know, in a society that really makes people want to hate their bodies and how to help them fight that constant messaging. Um, another big part of my journey postpartum with my own body is, is movement and exercise and um, yoga. And it is hard to find the time to, to sit with your body and um, I really like restorative yoga, which is holding poses for um, a couple minutes at a time and, you know, just using that metaphor of tension in our bodies and sitting with that tension and stretching it as, you know, a metaphor of, of life, you know, that we can sit in difficult feelings. And um, I have to say, being almost a year out too, there's something so sacred about the postpartum body being softer and having more fat and you know it's like I don't know there's just something that um it, it just it just helps you feel like okay this this might not be your body forever and not saying it shouldn't be it's okay if it is postpartum but like I think there's this just so much messaging about getting your body back and losing the weight. And um, now I think I'm better able to see that like that was such a temporary or more of a temporary experience and to have found some more just appreciation for like your body in this time. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I don't know. It's so unique to, like you said, your body just changes so much, so fast. And after you have your baby, it changes so much, so fast. And it is such this metaphor of, or being in it feels like such a metaphor of motherhood to me, of like just leaning in to the things you can't control, finding the moments or finding the ways in which you can not control, but kind of can support yourself two. Yeah. 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 That, um, there are just so many lessons, aren't there? But I think you're right that, um, like in caring for your child and having like so much compassion for them and just never wanting them to beat themselves up or, there's 
so much softens towards yourself too in like, okay, I want this so much for this little person. And why, why don't I want that for myself? Um, and yeah, I, I like, I do think you, you can't not think about your own parents and that they held, you know, I think there's obviously a lot of feelings that we can process towards our parents of sadness or grief or anger, but um, just that we were once held in that way, hopefully. Yeah, that somebody looked at us and our little body crawling naked around the house as a child or a baby and looked at our body. That's really, I mean, it's changed, but it's the same. It's still our body, right? And our parents hopefully, you know, looked at us with love and compassion and thought, I never want this perfect human to feel anything other than perfect, beautiful, excellent, you know, all of the things that we think about our kids, somebody hopefully thought about us. And it's crazy that this is the same body that we were born with and have moved all the way through life with. And somebody at one point, hopefully, you know, there's still somebody that thinks about your body like that, which is hopefully yourself, you're moving toward more of that compassion toward yourself. But just knowing as a parent that your parent hopefully felt that unconditional love toward you. It's really cool. Yeah. And um, I have a Peloton, which is one of those exercise bikes. (laughs) And I did exercise throughout my whole pregnancy. It's I actually went to the Peloton studio in New York City for kind of like our baby moon. Um, Because exercise is one of my like favorite self-care strategies and just for mental health and um and you know to accept our bodies and not only accept them but to really feel just that empowerment from literal power from movement from you know uh what we can do is uh has been an exciting postpartum component for me of, of seeing, okay, this is what my body can do still. And, um, trusting my body and all that it went through. And, um, that's been a, you know, kind of a fun process too. Um, I will say one body image aspect that I'm currently really struggling with is I, um, I breastfed for about four months and then I pumped exclusively for like another three or four months. And I joke about it that I've like destroyed my boobs, but like truly I am really struggling with my boobs. It's not their size of them. It's like the, um, like the quality of them. (laughs) They're just, they are just so different. And so saggy, soft, you know, you hear about like pancake boobs and I, I just had no idea. Like I am the last person in the world who would like get a boob job, but I am not kidding. There's been moments that I'm just like, maybe I can get one of those like lift things. And it's like, Kelly. So that's kind of my current, something I've been journaling about. I've honestly just been like trying to just like touch my boobs more and just rather than like avoiding what they are, just 
you know, getting to know them now in their new form and um, is something I just, I had no expectation of. I don't know if it's really related to pumping or, you know, I've Googled it and it's like, it's pretty common. Um, and, and it's, it's an odd sense of loss over a body part that I didn't really um, think that much about to begin with. Like I was never like, you know, oh, my boobs are so great. Or like, I've never shown cleavage in my life. It's just not, it's just not me. But now, um, yeah, it's really something I've got to continue working on is kind of accepting their, their new, um, their new shape. So, yeah. Wow. So with all that said, um, I'd love for you to share some words of wisdom for other new moms or soon to be new moms out there. Any little nugget of wisdom from you would be great. It feels hard to give advice because I think so much of the process relies on kind of your own intuition and like you're going to have so many struggles and I think that they are going to be your own story and help you find, you know, what you're going to learn from this process. And there's just so many lessons, but, um, I would definitely say, you know, is practicing compassion towards yourself directly with kind words, with giving yourself some time and moments of the day, um, even if it's five minutes or even if it's two minutes, um, that, you know, all the sayings, like we can't pour from an empty cup or put your oxygen mask on first, all of that is uh, so, so important. And, you know, I think that giving ourselves, giving that, giving compassion to ourselves is modeling so well for our kids. Otherwise, I think just, you know, listen, listen to your own intuition. Yeah, I love that. That's so good. Um, thank you so much for sharing your story with me today. It was amazing to hear and to talk to you about all this good stuff. So thank you. And thank you, listener. If you enjoyed Kelly's story as much as I did, subscribe, give us a rating and share with your friends. It really helps other folks find this podcast and feel seen and less alone.